See, if you read all through the scriptures, both Matthew 6, Isaiah 58, and Matthew uh, 9, what you see is this. Fasting is never about the act of fasting. It's about the heart. This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. This week, Rick's message is entitled Fasting and Prayer. It was shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on Sunday, September 2nd, 2018. Let me go ahead and open us up in prayer, and then we'll get right into the text today. Father in heaven, thank you so much for our day. Thank you for your many, many, many blessings. God, most of all, we thank you for your grace that we found in Jesus Christ. God, thank you that we cannot obtain any righteousness on our own. But God, that is a free gift from you, that you paid the price through your son for us to be reconciled to to you, that the wrath, your wrath on sin and death was paid at Calvary. And because of the blood that was spilled on Calvary, we can be forgiven and made right. And now by faith, we receive that righteousness through your son. And now we have peace with you, Father. And now we hope to have the hope of heaven, but we also have eternal life beginning today to know the one true living God, the son he sent. So that is eternal life. So Father, I pray as we live life, God, we won't get bogged down in the weeds of stuff that's going on temporarily, but God, we'll keep our eyes focused on you, the one true living God that's eternal and is planning and preparing a home for us one day that we'll go. God, we love you, and God, I pray your word will be preached today. I would decrease, and you would increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, If you will, go ahead and turn to Matthew 9. We're going to bounce around uh, quite a bit, but that's going to be one of the places that we land uh, in just a few minutes. Matthew 9. Now, um, go ahead, if you will, put a mark there. And I just want to share a little bit from a, this is going to be the, so we, we wrapped up our Luke, first half of Luke at the end of spring, beginning of summer, and then we did a James series. We just wrapped that up a few weeks ago. And these uh, next couple have been really just kind of standalone sermons. Last week, if you didn't get to listen, you can go back, but really talked about what it looks like for families to, to be the main disciplers of their kids and, and their families, but also as a church partners with. It's not just the church's responsibility. It's not just the parents' responsibility, but it's them together, working together. It's the heart of the family, the red, if you will, and the light of the church being yellow and bringing together, kind of thinking orange about that. It's the, the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 where um, God talks about the, the parents getting up and talking about God when they, when they wake, wake up, when they eat meals, as they travel, before they go to bed. So this regular rhythm in life. And then you have the Great Commission where it says, go and make disciples um, and teaching them to obey everything. So it's this blend of those two things. And then today we're going to be talking about prayer and fasting, primarily fasting. And then next week we're going to be just celebrate. We're going to party and talk about all the things that God is doing and has done and he's going to continue to do. So we're going to be uh, really talking about a year of Jubilee and, and celebrating. So if you will, uh, turn with me to Matthew 9 uh, and then verses 14 through 17. This is really um, probably, I think it's Richard ba- uh, Baxter who wrote a book on spiritual disciplines. And when you read his section on fasting, it's probably the, the, the pivotal or the main text when you look at fasting in the Bible that are, is probably the most revealing about what fasting is really about um, as, as, a, as a believer. And so it's found in uh, chapter 9, verse 14 of Matthew. It goes this, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, the Pharisees, fast? 
but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So let me kind of break down what um, Jesus is really trying to say here. What he's saying is the God in the flesh has come. And if you look at Jesus's life, what you see is the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he goes about preaching. John says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He prepared the way for Jesus. And Jesus is, is basically, as he comes on and begins his earthly ministry at the age of 33, he basically begins to say the kingdom of God is at hand. And he goes, uh, goes about doing these miraculous things like healing the blind, right? Causing the blind to see. Causing the lame to walk. Causing the leopards if you will, the, the AIDS of that generation um, to, to be cured. And he went about delivering the demonic, the mental ill in, in, in their culture. Again, these situations where no medicine could cure, no psychology, uh, and, and it appeared to be no religion could save them or rescue them out of their predicament. Many times being born in those situations, other times uh, a, a part of maybe their own uh, problems that they incurred through life and began to rely on other things other than God. But basically what you saw was kingdom of God coming to earth. So you saw God in flesh through Jesus, and he began to spread the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, he was proclaiming the good news about himself, and he couldn't fully reveal that until after he actually fulfilled it, which was going to the cross, becoming the Passover lamb. But he was going about spreading the kingdom. What does that mean? The Bible says in, in uh, Matthew 6, we're going to read in just a few minutes, where he talks about, uh, his disciples says, teach us to pray. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what Jesus was doing, he was bringing heaven to earth. So in other words, he was beginning to, in his area, wherever he walked, wherever he taught, wherever he touched people, the kingdom of God was coming to hand. In other words, people were being healed, being delivered, being set free, being made new. Now, their physical body was being made new. But most important, their internal soul was becoming new. They were, that God-shaped vacuum was being filled by him, by Jesus. We, we, we see a picture of that when the, the, uh, the guy who was lame and his buddies, right, couldn't get in the house and they climb up on the roof. Imagine them pulling back all the, the stuff back then. It was probably mud and straw and, and pieces of wood falling down and they lowered this guy on a mat. And what did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven, right? And then the Pharisees got upset. Who is this? Man, can I forgive? He goes, you're right. Only God can. So it'd be better to get up and pick up your... Uh, your mat and walk. And he gets up and walks away, right? And so what he's saying is the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. Things that are like in heaven where there is no more sin, there is no more disease, there is no more sickness. I am bringing that here on earth. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying. Now, what we see him say is to the Pharisees this. When the wedding guests are with the bridegroom, they have no reason to mourn, right? They have no reason to fast. They have no reason to, to take away any pleasure that I'm giving them because I'm here with them. But there will be a day when I return to heaven and then you will fast. 
So I want, I want you to kind of understand this big idea today. This is the big idea. Fasting is for the longing of the not yet of the kingdom to come. Okay? Let me explain what I mean by that. Because Jesus has went back. We're still here on earth. We still have to uh, battle against our flesh. Uh, we, uh, we still have to get, battle against our rulers, our principalities in high places. Uh, the scriptures talk about. So we have the spirit of the living God in us. But we also have to battle with the things of this world. So fasting is this, this thing that God has given us to really focus on the longing of not yet the kingdom of God has come. In other words, we're, we're, we're concentrating so much, we're denying ourselves these things that are pleasures here on earth to focus in a certain way to really in some ways show to God that he is so important that we want his kingdom to come even in a, in a more uh, impactful way in our lives individually and corporately, Okay. So I think you'll begin to see this as we, we talk about fasting and how we see it throughout Scripture and then even more about how Jesus has talked about it. So if you will, flip over uh, to Matthew 6, just a few, few pages back, and we'll talk about... Now, when you look through uh, Matthew 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and we see these things beginning, the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry beginning to talk about these things that were very critical to the kingdom of God. And so you see the first half of this, he talks about this idea when you give to the needy, uh, when you pray, he mentions that several times. And then, of course, we see the Lord's Prayer in this. The only thing that the, the, the disciples ever asked Jesus, how, how do we do this, was to pray. And so he said, this is that prayer. But then he goes on down, farther down in verse 16, he says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, if you will, turn over to Isaiah 58. Go down to verse 6. He says this, is not this the fast that I chose? This is God. To loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing spring, uh, shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. If you read through that text and the whole chapter, it's very similar in some ways in Matthew 6, where he talks about taking care of the needy, right? And praying. And don't, don't act like the Pharisees. Don't go out with doom and gloom when you're fasting. In fact, you look in Matthew 6 where he talks about anointing you with oil and washing your feet. What that was is just a basic practice. So in those days, if you've ever been to the Middle East, I've been there a couple times. And one particular time I was in Egypt, right on the uh, Red Sea in near Dahab. And where we did, we did a traditional meal right there on the water. And what you did, you didn't have seats. You had basically this table that was low to the ground. You had all these like 
uh, kind of puffed up pillows almost uh, around and you ate and you kind of had to lounge on your side, right? So in other words, your, your face would be towards someone's feet. And so it was this idea of washing your feet because Again, you were walking everywhere everybody else was walking, including animals. And so you would wash your feet, make sure they smell good. And you would anoint your, your head with oil because that was a part of hygiene. Okay? People were really sweaty and dirty. And so that oil kind of helped a little bit. It's like spraying Axe you know, a little bit uh, for those middle school boys. You guys understand what I'm talking about. But uh, it's, it's that kind of idea of going down and not, like, not making it evident to everybody around you that you're fasting. Okay? So it's kind of like doing normal things in life, but understanding that you are doing something that's privately being seen by God, the Father in heaven. Now, we will see through Scripture, there are many times that God has used individuals to call people to a corporate prayer and fasting, or to maybe a a smaller sect of people prayer and fasting. And that's what we're kind of talking about when we talk about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're not announcing it from the standpoint, look at us. But we're saying as a corporate body, we believe that God does something unique when you pray and when you fast. And we're asking God to do what only he can do. And so that's what we're doing when we do this. Now, these are the different times that we see uh, God use fast in the Bible. Sometimes in a time of war, we see the Benjaminites uh, fasted and defeated uh, uh, the other Israelites um, in, in, in Judges uh, 20 through 20, uh, I'm sorry, verse, chapter 20, verse 26. We also see this time uh, of fasting and prayer being used a time of repentance and really desiring uh, the mercy and compassion of God. We see this king uh, in King Nineveh who ordered the whole city to fast and repent. Consequently, they were forgiven their sins. In fact, it goes like this, Jonah uh, chapter 3, verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from great to least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne and took off his royal robes and covered himself in sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not drink. Do not, I'm sorry, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste any food. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. You see the desperation for the mercy of God in his voice. God was using this thing of prayer and fasting to get a hold of people's hearts and to get them tunely focused on himself. We see also that he used the same thing in Daniel 18, where Darius, the king of Persia, fasted and prayed all night after placing Daniel in the lion's den. He was tricked to do that, and God honored his prayer and his fasting. We also see it where we're facing danger. Ezra fasted as he prayed for wisdom and protection when he prepared the people to return to Jerusalem from Babylon in Ezra 8. We also see it for the desire for courage and wisdom. Esther and the Jews of Shushan fasted when they faced a destruction planned by Haman. Esther 4.16, it says this, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. 
I and my attendants will fast as, uh, as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Do you hear the deep desperation for God to show up in these people's stories? You know, I wonder at times how real desperate I am for God. I've got a home. I've got AC. It's nice. Uh, I've got food on my table. I've got clothes. Heck, I've got Amazon Prime. I can order anything I want anytime I want. Right? Think about it. But you know what's sad is many times we have all those things, but we're missing the most important thing. We're missing that thriving, growing, deep, intimate relationship with God. Because the reality is none of those things will fill us up. And none of those really are bad in the sense of having. It's when they become the most important. It's when they, when they become a distraction for the most important. When they become our comfort instead of God comforting us. When they become our best friend instead of God becoming our best friend. This is what God is trying to teach us about prayer and fasting. He also talks about in times of grief. Seven, uh, seven day fast was held when the bones of Saul and his sons were buried in 1 Samuel 31 and 1 Chronicles 10. We also see it in times of distress. David faster after hearing that Saul and Jonathan were dead. And then for wisdom, we saw Paul, we see Paul and Barnabas fast and pray at the uh, appointment of the elders of the church in Acts 14. We also see a time of prayer and fasting when he set aside for self-holiness in 1 Corinthians 7, 5. In fact, this is the only time Paul ever mentions about husband and wives abstaining from sexual relationships, but for a time of praying and fasting, and then come together so you will not be tempted by Satan. And then he talks about fasting when a time, even when God answers prayer, when Cornelius fasted for four days, and after that, a time an angel appeared to him. Consequently, he and his family received the gospel and were baptized in Acts 10. We see it in a time of mourning. During a time of mourning, Daniel fasted for three weeks, after which he received a vision. Daniel 10, 3 says, I ate no choice food, no meat, and wine did not touch my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. And then we see a special time where God uses a special revelation um, in uh, Exodus 34, Moses fasted for 40 days and then received the law. It says, Moses was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So what do we see? What are we seeing? The overarched theme in all of these people's stories is this. Is this desperate need for God to show up, Right? This desperate need for God to work in our life. Let me ask you, how desperate are you for God to work in your life? See, it's many times we're there, we're in situations where I can think of my past where it was a great disappointment or a great loss or facing loved ones or facing a battle for their life and we're in desperation for him. But God wants to keep us in that point of desperation for him on a daily basis. He wants us to understand that he cares for us and loves for us. Why turn to other things? Why turn to things that aren't going to fill us up? Why turn to, to, to false gods that are mute, deaf, blind, 
They can't do anything for us. And God is saying, I need you to just set aside a time of prayer and fasting when you can just focus on me. So I want to share a few things that you want to know when we talk about fasting, okay? The first one is this. Fasting is not for the strong. It's not for the strong. If you're here today and say, man, this fasting thing, that sounds way more spiritual than I am. Can I tell you something? It's for you. It's it's for the weak. It's for me, okay? Let me tell you how this idea of prayer and fasting, I, I grew up in a great church and my parents did a great job of raising us and talking about Jesus and the gospel. In fact, I didn't mention this last week, but when we're talking about prayer, I think when I think about uh, some of my most impactful moments growing up, it was when my dad probably was at the altar praying. Um, in times where God's spirit was moving on such a way that he would continue to pray when we were in the car leaving church. And I remember just times where he would just weep before God. That humility before God showed me some great things to admire about my dad. Um, and I can tell you as a, as a father now, I want to pray with my kids as much as possible. Dads, I encourage you, pray with your kids. It's okay to cry in front of them. It's okay to weep in front of them. Can I tell you something? They're going to find that strong because they know at the foot of the cross is where, the, where you find your strength, okay? Not in yourself. But this idea of fasting is not for the strong. It's for the weak. Um, I was uh, in my early 20s. And uh, God had been working in lots of ways in my life. Unfortunately, it was through lots of pain and hurt and through lots of uh, bad decisions and through lots of things that I was putting my hope in uh, that wasn't bringing me any joy. In fact, it was bringing me more and more disappointment, more and more emptiness. And and God just kind of took this rug and pulled it from underneath me. And all the things that I kind of put my hope in began to fall around. And, And what had happened was, for the first time, I realized I had been trying to clean myself up, and I couldn't do it. All these things I had started lying in my life. I remember my sister would send me Keith Green tapes. Some of you guys don't, maybe not know who that is, but it were cassette tapes of Keith Green, and his, his music was so powerful in my life uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Even when I wasn't really walking with God, I would listen to those tapes, and they would just move me in a powerful way. And... Um, And I remember that moment when I confessed Christ for the first time and truly gave my life to him. But it was things began to change in my life, but there were still strongholds in my life. There were still things that I allowed to come in my life that I was just not able to get victory over. And so someone had shared with me um, this text um, in, in Mark 10, 29, where it says, Jesus said to them, some things come out of prayer, but some things come out of prayer and fasting. And so I read that, and it's actually a little footnote at the bottom. It's not in the written text. It just says, some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. And I was like, okay, what's fasting? I, I mean, I, I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. And so I began to read about it a little bit. It's before the days of the Internet, so I couldn't just Google it, right? I had to ask someone, how about that? You had to actually go and talk to somebody and ask somebody about it. Hey, do you know anything about fasting? What is this? So I started looking in the concordance in the back of the Bible. And so that's when I came upon Isaiah 58. And I mean, just read through it. And it said these things. It said things like this. This is the fast I've chosen, to loose the bonds of the wicked, to, to undo the straps of the yoke, 
to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. And all I could think was, I was handcuffed. I needed to be set free. I, I needed these things, these chains to be broken in my life. So I began to pray, and I began to fast, and I began to pray that scripture over my life. And just say, God, I need you to show up. I need you to do a work in my life. I don't want this stuff anymore. I need your help. And you know, little by little, God began to break those chains in my life because I began to focus entirely on him. And guys, I, I just want to share with you that God does something in a prayer and fasting that I, I just believe is powerful and miraculous and supernatural that God can do in that time. Now, I want you to hear me. This is not some token thing. This is not like a hocus pocus and God just does whatever we ask when we pray and fast. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? But there is a time where you pray and fast and God does something for us in a supernatural way. Fasting is, is for the common person. It's for those that are frail. It's for those that are weak. That's me. That's you, whether you know it or not. So understand that. Fasting is for the ordinary person who realizes their desperate need for God. That's what it's about. And that's what God wants us to do. Fasting is never about manipulating God. It's never about that. You cannot go into a fast believing you will somehow earn God's blessing or God's favor or somehow earn God's miracle. That's not what it's about. And it's not in a way to somehow earn salvation or forgiveness. God accomplished that through Jesus on the cross and his spilt blood on Calvary. And it's by faith we believe in that. That is how forgiveness happens. Fasting doesn't make God do something that's not his will. Fasting gets you ready for God's answer. Fasting is asking, not demanding, just as, just as King David did when he desperately asked God to save his child. But God had other purposes in that. Listen, fasting is an invitation. If you're here today, fasting and praying is an invitation for you. It's an invitation for this. Fasting is not a requirement, okay, at all. You won't see that in Scripture. And it's definitely not even a commandment, okay? But fasting is a voluntary act of sacrifice on your behalf. It's a spiritual discipline in many ways. It's a way that God is calling us to give up something very normal, food. I don't know about you, but I love food, okay? I love food. I'm hoping today that we may have some ribs, is that happening? I don't know. Oh, no, maybe not. Okay. We bought them, and then we accidentally put them in the freezer instead of the refrigerator, so they may not make them there. But we'll have them maybe tomorrow, okay? Uh, I love food. I'm sure you do, too. It's, guess what? It's a great pleasure, okay? Food is a great pleasure. It's something that God gave us. It, think about this. What if God created us without taste buds? Wouldn't that be horrible? I mean, think about it. You can smell that aroma of that food, and you can't taste it. That's horrible, Okay? But God gave us common grace and joy, that food, the taste bud. He gave it to us. So we're, we're basically saying that fast is a giving up for food for a season. It may be a meal. It may be a, a couple meals. It may be a day. And that's, we're asking you to sign up that, for that, uh, these 21 days. You can sign up morning, noon, or night, or a whole day. You can sign up for multiple days. Okay? Um, we just ask you for that moment to, to, to not eat, and instead of not eating, literally you pray. You can pray walk, prayer walk, you can, you can use your scripture to pray, you can just 
pray and ask God to do these things we're asking him to do. See, on the front of this is called, we, we say kairos, and what that basically means is a season or a moment or an opportunity that we have to seize. God has given us a moment here in Caroline County that God wants to do something miraculous. I believe the doors are wide open. God, in lots of ways, has opened and given us great favor with the schools and the community in many ways that I haven't seen in all places. And just as David said, the scripture said about David that David fulfilled his purpose for his generation. I'm praying that we fulfill our purpose in this generation in Caroline County. God wants to do something amazing. 70% of the people in and around this area do not know Jesus. And we need God to work. We can't do that. Only God can do that. And we're praying for other churches. You're going to see the list of other churches in there. We're praying for schools. We're praying for the community workers. We're praying for the first responders. We're praying for those who are making decisions on the board of directors. We're praying for this county that God would cause a great awakening and he would use us to begin that. That is what we're praying for. We're praying and we're fasting for God to do that. Really, fasting is an act of worship. It's saying I'm giving up something that's perfectly good and acceptable so I can have more of God. Do you remember when Jesus was with the, the woman at the well and the disciples went for food and they came back and they said, hey, you want something to eat? And I've already had food from, my, you know, I've had food the Father gives me uh, that you don't know about. And he's like, they're like, what? Did somebody slide him a, a Happy Meal? What's going on here? I don't, you know, what's going on? Um, but see, this, this idea that Jesus is saying, there is, there is a food, there's a spiritual food that takes place that earthly food cannot fill. And so this, this idea of prayer and fasting is this idea of worship. It's, a, it's an act of perf- giving up something perfectly good and acceptable so you can have more of God. See, we see that in John 4, where it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Listen, this is, needs to be our desire, to do the will of the Father. The more and more I realize as I walk through life, there's only a few things that matter. Jesus and what we do with him and how many people we can bring with us. That's it. All these other things are temporal. In lots of ways here in America, we have first world problems, right? We got to decide this afternoon where we're going to go to uh, lunch, right? Well, that's great. We go to McDonald's, or we go to a steakhouse, right? I mean, that's, those, are, those are dilemmas that we get fights over and uh, get uh, arguments over. It's funny how uh, you'll ask your spouse or your significant other and say, hey, where do you want to go? It doesn't matter. Then when you mention something, they're like, well, I don't want to go there. Well, I thought it didn't matter, right? And next thing you know, argument breaks over where we're going to eat food. It's ridiculous, all right? But it happens. Now, guess what? In third world countries, that didn't happen because they got to get up in the morning and they got to probably go hunt for their food. They, they're not even sure if they're going to go eat for that day. They may have to go through a dump to look for scraps. So understanding that many things we focus on here on earth are so temporal, it doesn't matter in the long run. Listen, fasting is one passion driving out another passion. That's what fasting is. It's one passion driving out another passion. It's fasting is a passion for God more than I desire a passion to, to fill my belly. Fasting is saying, I have a hunger for God 
and his will and his kingdom so much that it drives out every other hunger that I have. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's actually a spiritual discipline that actually physically acts out. Fasting is abstaining from food or a type of food like we see in Daniel. That is what fasting is. Now understand that many of you are in situations where because of your medical conditions, you can't fast. But maybe there's something else you could give up. Maybe that media, Fox News, or, or uh, something else you can give up, right? Social media account, whatever it may be, your favorite TV program where you give up a time of fasting, pray and fasting go together. Fasting increases our sense of humility and dependency upon God. Fasting makes you more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, one of our core values here as a church is this idea of fervent prayer. And we say it like this. We, we use a byline called cry aloud. We prioritize individual and corporate prayer out of our desperation for God to advance his kingdom. Prayer is basically intentionally conveying a message to God. It's simple. It's God using you to talk to him. Fasting, listen, is not morbid. It should be a, out of a sense of joy. It should be a time of worship. That's what fasting is. Now, I can tell you it's one of those areas and that God has used in the past, but just like all of us have a tendency as we grow comfortable in our relationship with the Lord or any relationship, things begin to start falling to the side, don't they? You know, when you first met your spouse, you, you dated them and you wooed them, and then as you get married over the years, you forget to start doing that. But it's important to continue to do that, isn't it? And I would say fasting is one of those things that is really something that we need to prioritize, prayer and fasting, because there are certain things that God does during that prayer and fasting that he doesn't do any time for some reason. And again, it's not about manipulating God. It's about being a desperate need for God. In each of those scriptures we read, it's this deep desire that God wants to do in our lives. See, the realities of this, when you think about going maybe a day or a meal without food, that may seem overwhelming. But can I tell you something? God calls us to live by faith, not by sight, right? So I would encourage you, pray earnestly to ask God, what does he want you to do? And then do it. Do it by faith, believing that God can do it. And when those times do, you focus on God. Because fasting is not easy. It's not really, really fun. <laughs> but he's calling us to focus on him. And this is what will happen. When you begin to focus on prayer and abstaining from food, to focus on him, God will do a work in your life that he can't do any other way. Because what will happen is he'll begin to change your heart. See, if you read all through the scripture, both Matthew 6, Isaiah 58, and Matthew 9, what you see is this. Fasting is never about the act of fasting. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. But there's something about abstaining from that that gets your attention. It, it, it gets you in tune. Anybody gone without food for a while, all of a sudden, everything starts to almost like kind of become more sensitive. You, you get grouchy, you get edgy, right? And so what happens is all these things that are not normally there because you're without a pleasure begin to come through the service. And, they start sh and God starts showing you these things that you're kind of edgy with your wife here. You're, you're, you're kind of a, uh, a grump. You're, God is, God, there's some unconfessed sin. There's some things in your life that you need to begin to turn over 
And you need to stop guarding this area that you haven't turned over. In other words, God gets full dominion. He gets to walk in every nook and cranny in your home, which is your heart. He gets to open every closet. He gets to open every door. He gets to go in the front porch and the back door. He gets dominion. And that's what happens when you begin to pray and fast. God begins to bring these things up in your life. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Lead pastor Rick Nicely will conclude his sermon with the big question coming up. Spotswood at Ladysmith exists to glorify God by advancing His kingdom through obedience to His Great Commission. To know more, to find resources, and to interact with us, please visit our website, spotswoodls.org, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, spotswoodls. Now here's Rick with the conclusion to this week's sermon. So I want to ask you this big question today is this. Would you consider praying and fasting for God to do what only He can do in your life and in the lives of others? We're going to have these in the back. We're, we have about 100, so if each family could take one, we'll have more next week. We had a little issue with the printer this week, so we couldn't get all the ones we wanted printed. We'll have more. Of course, the fast doesn't start till the 10th, and we'll have this online as well. But you can use that as a guide. But we ask you to consider praying and fasting sometime during this. You can pray every day, right? Those 21 days. But consider taking a day or a meal to pray and fast and do what only God can do. Listen, we believe God wants to do a great thing here. We believe that God wants to advance his kingdom for his glory in and around Caroline and wants us to make disciples, make disciples that plant churches. And so would you pray that God will allow us to do just that? Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've used both prayer and prayer and fasting in my life. God, we see as evidence throughout Scripture that you've done that in the lives of individuals. You've done that in the lives of uh, corporately. Nehemiah saw the, the gates and saw the, the wall in ruin. And he cried out and he wept and he tore his clothes. Maybe we're here today. Maybe our lives are in ruins. Maybe the walls in our, in our house have been torn down. Maybe we've let things ravish us. God, today is that day when you want to begin to set us apart for your work to rebuild those things that glorify you in our lives. Maybe it's a time of repentance. Maybe it's a time to worship. Maybe it's a time just to, to go more intimate with you. Maybe it's a time where you want a breakthrough in people's lives to no longer walk according to the flesh, but according to your spirit. God, would you use this for your glory, for our good? God, we ask you to do what only you can do. And God, that's to bring a great harvest to our county. God, we desperately need you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. 
Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. This week, Rick's message was entitled Fasting and Prayer. It was shared with the congregation at Spotswood and Ladysmith on Sunday, September 2nd, 2018. These podcasts are available weekly on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.